0: I just want them to come and look in the eyes of the animals Yeah, because once they look in the eyes and they see the beauty and the grace of the animals and the characters, they're, they're so funny.
1: Some of them play all day and uh, they're they're won over. Hi, I'm Heidi Harriet. Welcome to this episode of Animal Tales, where we talk about my favorite subject, animals. I'm proud to be a third generation animal trainer, caretaker, and animal welfare expert, following in the footsteps of my father and grandfather. I've been so privileged throughout my life to be around animal experts, subject matter professionals, see them firsthand. Those who truly live with care for and work with animals. In contrast, what most of you hear is the vocal minority, the animal rights extremist. I call the noise, the misinformation, the fake news that they put out there about animals. It's truly devastating to those who truly live with and care for animals. Today's guest is a wonderful example of someone doing amazing work. Kay Rosaire is the founder and president of the Big Cat Habitat in Sarasota, Florida. Amongst the beautiful beaches and the green swaying palm trees lies a true jewel. They take in animals, animals that didn't have a home, exotic animals And they also educate the public. Kay and her son and family, now three generations of her family, operate this fantastic facility. I can't encourage you strongly enough to go visit the Big Cat Habitat, see these amazing animals, and hear their stories. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Kay Rosaire. Welcome to the podcast, Kay. Thank you. Nice to be here. I'm thrilled to have you on. Kay has been a longtime friend. Our families have known each other for uh, decades. And uh, her father, Derek, was a a great animal trainer, a good friend of my father. And a lot of collaboration went on there. It was quite fun to watch. So Kay, tell me how far back your family goes and how you guys got into animal training. Well,
0: we're from England. Uh, The whole family Basically grew up traveling all over the world because my dad was an entertainer and trainer. And uh, fortunately for us, he didn't believe in leaving the kids behind at boarding school. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) And so we just generally traveled all over the world with with the family, the whole family. And, of course, they had dogs and chimpanzees and horses and uh, we just grew up with it. So it was kind of a natural evolution to become trainers and educators later on in life. As I grew up, I, uh, my mom's brother was a very famous lion trainer in England during the 30s. And in those days they did it in theaters on the stage. And uh, it was a wonderful, exciting act. The animals acted wild and it was all staged. And uh, he was like a matinee idol. My mom was his assistant as a young woman. So I grew up with all the stories of my my uncle. He was so fantastic, and I thought, well, I would love to please my mom. So working from the very beginning with all different animals. We, for a time, my dad was the curator of the Erie Zoo in Erie, Pennsylvania, and we trained every animal that was trainable because it's so good for them to learn and be exercised and interact with humans, they love that. They they actually, uh, we found through the years that the animals that we work with at the habitat live longer and are healthier than the ones that just kind of hang out in the habitats. So, um, you know, learning all that as a kid, it was kind of a natural evolution. I did work everything from penguins to llamas to horses, ponies, you know, all the the normal stuff that you do growing up around an animal family. And when it was time to go on my own, I decided I wanted to do a a, a cat act, ba- basically a lion act in the beginning, not knowing that lions are very difficult, <laughs> can be very difficult. Yeah. And, of course, I had the opportunity. My dad, at one point, worked with the animals from the television show Tari, And so we had Ivan Torres' animals. We had the, uh, the cross-eyed lion, Gentle Ben the Bear. They lived at our house. So... Uh, I was charged with taking care of the lion and that's when I really fell in love with lions. I thought they were just so uh, beautiful, amazing to look at and very sweet. You know, when they're treated properly and and cared for, they actually are very, very affectionate. And so uh, that was when I said, I've got to do this. I've got to work with cats. I love lions and that's what I did. And I went to an auction, actually. They had uh, taken a bunch of lions out of a big park up in New Jersey. I think it was Lion Country up there then. And they had a whole semi-truck full of lions. And uh, I I was late to get there. And the lions that were left were very not healthy. They had no hair. They were really emaciated. They were younger because all the big ones had taken all the food. And so uh, I took them home, nursed them back to health, and began my career working with them. And I think that's why... They loved me so much because they knew that I saved them. And all the animals I ever worked with, all the cats, were always animals that needed a home. Yeah. And most of them not in good shape. So I nursed them back to health. And, and then you, you have a bond that you make with them, and they love you. And, and it makes the training so much easier because they're working for you because they want to please you, just like your pets at home. They, once they know what you want them to do, and you give them a reward and a treat. It's like every other thing you teach them is very easy. Right. Once you get over the bridge of learning, you know, once they learn to learn, it's just one thing after another. And with big cats, uh, it's done in a sequence or routine. Right. Just like horses, you do it in a routine. So they know ahead of time what's coming up. And my animals just basically works I I didn't even have to be there. Usually they just did everything. They knew what to do and they did it and they, they seemed to flourish and lived a long, long time.
1: Yeah. They're definitely animals who have interactions with humans, positive interactions and training are living longer in human care, in captivity, yeah. than their counterparts who are struggling in the wild. weren't None of us are for you know no wild. It's the reality is there is very little wild left, That's right. and for many animals, it's all managed by humans. Even it's even in just the wild. larger areas. It right. is the what is the wild? Back to training. You were talking about um, how stimulating they live longer lives. I also know from vets and experts that they reproduce better they do. for those animals that we need to reproduce that are highly endangered. And just generally being cared for by the vet or like even with horses, we have to have the farrier come and do their feet. Right. Elephants have their feet done. The maintenance, the things that need to be done, drawing blood by a vet. It's a Dr. Schmidt, who's been a guest on the podcast, talked about the fact, the safety factor. You have to go in and take care of an animal who can hurt you or harm you um, by just virtue of their nature right? and with the right training and and going about it the right way. And they're much more comfortable by it. They are, yeah. Our animals would basically help you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, certainly (laughs) we've all seen elephants that they have to do a trunk wash where they blow into a bag. And you just tell them to do it and they do it. But yeah. you can't do that with an untrained animal. No. You can't ask the cat to come and lay against the side of the cage right. maybe so you could draw blood or better yet go in with them. Right. So it's really, you know, not only does it stimulate their mind, the training, but it's a factor in keeping them healthy that it's important. The, the stress of that will be very detrimental to them over the long it run. It is. They get, animals get bored, you know. They, yeah. I see uh, uh, animals at the Big
0: Cat Habitat. They do things to entertain themselves. We always have toys and activity things for them. And they're constantly active and doing things. Yeah. And you know, and it's funny because they all have their own little thing that they'll do for attention from the public. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> and And it's funny and it's fun to watch. We have one little capuchin that throws... Uh, food at people when they come up, <laughs> and she's a huge hit. You know, oh, she's, I'm sure. They, they go get their friends to come over and see if she'll throw something at them without saying anything. So it's a big surprise for them, and it's a it's a it's an action
1: for her to to watch the people run away. You know, it's it's yeah. fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. tell so that's at the big cat habitat in Sarasota, <laughs> Florida. Why? What made you start that? Why did you want to create this facility? Well, I'd
0: been working on the road for probably thirty years with my show, doing educational shows and entertainment shows and movie work and all the things that animal people do, and I became keenly aware of the plight of the endangered lions and tigers. Because by then I was working both lions and tigers at the same time, and I was looking at the statistics, and it was pretty frightening. I mean the numbers of tigers in the wild were diminishing very, very quickly and still are. Actually, recently, it's a little bit stabilized, thank goodness. But I thought, well, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to trying to help the wild ones because I'd had a pretty good, successful career. So, uh, And I was constantly getting calls to take an animal in that needed a home. Somebody got divorced or passed away or lost their income and couldn't feed them. And we took in one tiger, actually. Some guys came to my dad. I wasn't even there. I was touring. And they asked if they could leave this tiger there for a couple of weeks while they got some paperwork to take it somewhere else. And I said, sure, why not? Well, they never returned. His his name was Nadeau. And he was the first rescue. And we kept him for the rest of his life. Of course, when the word got around that we took in a, a tiger, we suddenly got, started getting calls to, can you take this tiger, this lion, this, this bear? So we decided, let's just do this. Let's And we did it for about 10 years, not open to the public, just on my own income. I remember that, yes. Yeah, we yeah. just did it. And at one point uh, in 07, when the economy tanked and many, many people in Florida and around the country lost their property... And people that had exotic animals, you can't take a even a parrot to a, a rental. Yeah. You know, it's very difficult to rent when you have wild animals. So we, we just started taking in anything. And we have primates. We have pretty much anything. We have over 60 different species of animals at the habitat. Wow. And we have 50 big cats. And uh, it just became impossible for me to do on my income so about, Twelve or thirteen years ago, we finally became a nonprofit, uh, which made us able to raise some donation money, and also we opened to the public at about that same time. We had a previously had opened because all the neighbors wanted to come and see the animals. So no we doubt. Like, okay, let them come in. <laughs> so at first, we said, "Well, let's every Sunday let's open at two o'clock after church and let people come and see them." Well, we started. Passing the basket for donations. And at some point, I counted it, and we had less than a dollar a person. So we were like, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. Yeah. So we started charging, I think back, what, 15 years ago, maybe $5 or something, just enough to help a little bit. And then today, it's, you know, we have 300 animals to feed, and we have 20 employees. Eight of them are professional animal caregivers, which is really important. You cannot have volunteers feeding and taking care of animals because they don't noti- notice the important things like he's off his feed or he's not feeling good today or he's not right, something's not good. Right. But professionals see it right away. So you have a chance to get it, get the vet, get some treatment, find out what's wrong right. and take care of it. Whereas if you have volunteers, they don't know that. So we've always been very strict about who takes care of the animals.
1: Yeah, it's one thing to have volunteers help plant flowers and or parking lot clean up or yeah. the parking lot. But I know because I've been to the Big Cat Habit- Habitat many times, and I certainly know you, that, um, and other facilities don't handle it that way. But also with animal care, the other thing is volunteers, they, they won't necessarily keep a steady schedule. You know, sometimes no, that's it, the reason they're volunteering in right. with animal care. It's all about our consistency.
0: It so. is, it is. And we're open Wednesday through Sunday. Well, we need people on the weekends. Well, who wants to go to a park yeah. and work on a weekend when you can go fishing or boating? Because right. we live in beautiful Sarasota. And so we have to have professionals for many, many reasons.
1: Yeah. You know, I just had a conversation with some coworkers, and uh, this was at the level of dogs and cats, not. Mm-hmm. Not uh, exotics or horses even, but just what most people can relate to in their own home. They they said something about, well, it's so hard because animals can't talk to you, so you don't know when they're sick or feeling ill. And I'm sure Kay is smiling at me. She's sitting across from me here. and. I, I didn't want to respond. I over respond sometimes. That's why I'm doing a podcast, by the way, because <laughs> my friends are sick of me bringing this up all the time. So right. now, if they choose to listen to me, they can find animal tales. But I know Kay's going to say the same thing. I couldn't disagree more. We know, we know even before the animal presents actual fever or outright illness. That they're not feeling well. That's right. Correct? And particularly
0: with, with the exotics, they, they actually act like they're okay sometimes because mm-hmm. they don't want predators to know that they're in a weakened state or oh, that they're not well. Yeah. yeah. So they act okay but they're actually not. But there are subtle things you can see as a, as a person that is involved with that animal and they are involved with them. That yeah. He's not quite right. Something's yeah. not right. He didn't eat as much as he normally did. He's not drinking enough.
1: The manure in a different place. Exactly. The wet spot smaller, all of that stuff. All of those things. That we need consistent animal care for to look at and to know and the value of that information. I mean. Right. And that's what I know your father and my father taught us. That yeah. They, when you're young, you're like, oh, God, you're making a big deal of all this stuff. Now that we're managing people taking care of animals, you can't stress it strongly enough. It's a huge deal. It's It's, a huge deal. And that's how, yes, they can't speak. But if those of us who really work with animals and devote our lives to it, we absolutely know where they are, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And, um, it's, it's probably one of the reasons we do what we do. Um, by the way, when when you were on the road and traveling with your animals, doing your educational shows and performances, we'd work together. You were just a badass. It, I, I always tell people, think Wonder Woman, right? <laughs> I mean, you even had a similar costume. But yeah, I did. <laughs> you're a tall, statuesque, beautiful woman. And out there with the cats, I was always uh, in awe of it. And it was really fun to work with you. But I love where you've taken it to to go down this road, and you do still have a, um, an edutainment performance yeah, in the we show. Do. Your son Clayton is sure now we do. And a, as over. a matter
0: of fact, I think that's one of the big uh, drawing things to our place: is people yes. actually like to see people working with animals. It's yeah. not just only at the circus, but any big zoo. They have interactive behaviors with birds. They fly the birds. They work with the smaller animals, and people. Pack in those theaters, you know, even Bush Gardens when they had, I think they're bringing shows back as a matter of fact. Yeah. And uh, people like to see you with an animal personally contacting it and doing cool stuff and fun stuff. And and the way we train, the animals are happy. We don't have to force them to do anything. They come out, they come out eagerly to let's go, it's showtime. Matter of fact, uh, I noticed that the people, our shows are at 2 o'clock. And all of a sudden at one thirty, we get this huge amount of people coming in. Well, they're coming to see the show. Yeah. And it is an educational show, and you're more likely to get people to pay attention and listen to some of the important facts if they're being entertained at the same time. Absolutely. Especially with children. They get a big laugh out of the dogs and the cats and you know
1: I've been I've been there watching your show many times and Clayton does the show often at this point. He's quite funny as well. He's got he's got the Rosaire humor, but to see kids and teenagers even put their phone down yes. and actually watch because there's a there's a proverb reach them to teach them. Right. And it's edutainment, right? It's entertainment and education, but dry education doesn't get the job done. And we need them to pay attention because it's about the survival of our species and cohabitating with these animals. And um, I just used a survey and uh, a statistic in another podcast, more than 90% of the United States per the USA Today article, and this is a few years ago, are urbanites. So not only are they ha- know nothing about maybe exotics, but even no agriculture this and that type of thing. Yeah. and it's really uh, it's really scary. One of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast to provide more information about it because we're emotional, we're philosophic, we're ideology. I- we have an ideology about animals and their care, and it's not real. It's not what actually happens. It's not the practical expert knowledge that includes science and best practices. And um, so it's disturbing to me. And you know, we're, they, everybody talks, as we just said about the utopian wild, which is, you know, gone, virtually gone. So what you're doing is exhibiting animals for people. They won't care unless they see them. Exactly, I think it was Teddy Roosevelt that made them aware of animals by having the bear, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
0: once they saw the grizzly bear, People were like, "Wow, grizzly bears are amazing," and now they're being protected because of all that previous right. work. And if they don't see it and, and fall in love with it, and I've always said, you know, when I'm trying to get people to come and donate or get involved, I just want them to come and look in the eyes of the animals because once they look in the eyes and they see the beauty and the grace of the animals and the characters, they're they're so funny. Some of them play all day, you know? yeah, and uh, they're they're won over. Yeah, you know, and people get that more now than ever because of the huge amount of people that got dogs and cats during, yes. during COVID. Now they understand the feeling because they love their dogs. Right. Unfortunately, many people got dogs that shouldn't have. Yeah. You know, they're not thinking. Well, mm-hmm. I got to
1: go back to work. i are going to be gone eight hours. Or even the right type of dog, a dog that fits in out there and yeah. is not big or aggressive or that. And right. Back to what you were saying about caring about animals. I always say to people who hammer away at SeaWorld that why do we care about killer whales? Because, because we of saw them. Because we got to see Shamu right. interact with the trainers. Before that, there wasn't, you know. I don't dolphins. Think, yeah. it no, was no love.
0: Yeah, and, Flipper. Yeah. The TV show Flipper. Oh, yeah, that made we grew up with, right? Made people love Domin The TV show Ben made people care yeah. about bears. Yeah. It is important for, and you know. Sure, the 1% of of children growing up in this country, they have rich parents. They can go to Africa or India or any to the rainforest and see animals. Average people, their children don't get to go see anything. And in many areas, there are no big zoos, so they don't even go to a zoo. So it's interesting that... People talk about animals, but they should be seeing
1: animals. Yeah,
0: You know, I think 54 million people a year go to zoos yeah. in this country. I think probably even more now. Yeah. This was a few years ago. And uh, I you go to the Miami Zoo, it's awesome. You know, there's some yeah. great zoos. And take the kids, let them see eye to eye to eye, because you can't get the concept of an animal on a video or on TV. You just can't. Yeah,
1: it doesn't replace no. it. And to your point... You know, I've traveled all my life with animals as well, and we sometimes on shows we worked in very small towns, and I grew up around elephants, and I still think back to those times and think those people got to would see never elephant, get to see an ever. elephant. They didn't live near a big zoo. They weren't going to travel those yeah. miles. So one thing, maybe if you're listening and you have kids and you take vacations, consider adding in a zoo. Uh, to your, if you're anywhere near Sarasota, of course, a big cat habitat, but consider adding that into your vacation because if you want to see your k- kid put their phone down, that's yeah, one yeah, way to do yeah. it is to see live animals and and zoos do such a great job of being interactive and incorporating oh, m- so more and more stuff. Oh, they so important now with, with yeah. the
0: breeding programs for the severely endangered <laughs> animals. And, yeah. I mean... Without zoos, a lot of animals would already be extinct. Hundreds of animals, actually. And
1: people don't realize the collaboration between zoos and circuses, smaller um, facilities that aren't full-blown zoos, there's the veterinarians and the expert. There's just amazing collaboration Absolutely. to keep the gene pool and the diversity and also just best practices and updates and teaching science. Teaching people how to handle animals. Interns It and was teaching. one of
0: our, it was actually a circus animal trainers from the very beginning that helped the zoos, that moved the elephants, Absolutely. that moved the cats. Yeah. Because zoo people coming out with a zoology degree from college didn't know how to move a tiger, right? Or get an elephant up in a vehicle to get it to, to right. other zoo, and it was our our friend Rex Williams that did all that. He, yeah. he had his own elephant. He'd bring his elephant with him, get the other elephant with with his elephant, and walk him out. And it was easy, right. you know. And and so
1: circuses have had a huge impact on zoos over the years. So I want to go down a uh, road. You and I have both experienced and um, I have a saying and I usually I end up saying this on every episode at this point, but for people, there's an emotion ideology and philosophy that we shouldn't hold these animals. They should be in the wild, the utopian wild, which we've already discussed, but are critics and they they don't operate on any reality or practicality or any knowledge or expertise. Um, But they're willing to create laws and regulations. If you don't want to come and see it, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But you don't need to outright ban. I know you and I both, and I'll let you speak to this, if there's actual abuse, by all means, prosecute abuse. And there are plenty of animal cruelty laws. Frankly, there are more animal cruelty laws than there are for the kids Child abuse
0: or or beating your wife. Yeah, you know they get away with murder. You beat a dog, you go into jail,
1: right? And it's going to make front page news, and you're probably going to be threatened by your life on social media as well. But what what would you what would you say to those people who have listened to the critics, but don't hear or see enough from from the side of the people who truly work with animals and are experts? What are they missing? What what is the animal rights community missing? Or telling people that is... Well, it's
0: uh, they, all they lies. They tell them that they, they're taking animals out of the wild and grabbing them and torturing them, throwing them in a cage and training. That that doesn't happen. That hasn't happened probably in 50 years. Nothing comes out of the wild. Right, the all Convention
1: the, on International Trade of that, Endangered that's Species right. CITES.
0: Yes. That was back in the 70s. Yeah. And uh, matter of fact, my license was one of the first licenses. It was set number 73 or something. License for what? Explain what that is. To exhibit and own exotic animals, which you have to have. And under those regulations, it's very, very strict. They have guidelines for every part of the care, the housing, the transportation. It's all heavily... Who is they? The USDA. It's the USDA. We come under the USDA and they are... Uber strict with transporting animals and all that, so it's always been done correctly. And these extremists, it, you know, anything extreme in any part of life is ridiculous. It's it's out there. It's crazy, and it should be stopped. Mm-hmm. Don't be an extremist. Be a medium. Yeah, you know, right. Don't be crazy about anything, politics or religion or anything. Right. It's
1: what's the problem in our country at this point is I I equate it. I call it the uncomfortable middle. We have our Facebook emojis and we have the happy face and the little caring heart squeezing the heart. And then we've got the angry face. And the tears, right? So right. especially with animals we're like, uh, Oh, that's so sweet, or oh, that's so sh- terrible. Horrible. And the thinking face where they, you know, the the emoji mm, yeah. with his little hand under there. Yeah. Be can like question, be, be curious, be, a, be thinker. a thinker. Because that's where the information lies. And um, you know, try to try to listen to both sides. We're not even asking you to just come on board and totally agree that there's what you're being told is misinformation, but at least take in both sides. Right. And again, if there's actual abuse or problems, there we'll stand right beside you. Totally. I was on the animal welfare committee of the of the Circus Fans
0: Association for many years, and we did not tolerate abuse. Right. And also, the people that own the shows can police the show. Yes. If they have a bad trainer, get rid of them. You yes. Know, and firing. we, I
1: know we've encouraged that, and <laughs> yeah. and that's important. And through zoological associations and trade associations. And again, regulated by the USDA, you're also regulated by Florida Fish and Wildlife, right. which is one of the which is strongest most fish and yeah. wildlife <laughs> in the United States. It is, it is. They're very powerful.
0: They have more power than a policeman or a, even a FBI. They can come into our facility anytime, 24 hours a day, fully armed and do whatever they want. We have to, we ha- they don't need a warrant. So we're, you know, animals yeah. are protected. I think people don't realize that people that work with animals have have love for the animals. Otherwise, why would you work so hard? Right. Why would you never be able to go away on vacation? I've only recently been able to go away because now my son and his wife and my grandkids are taking over. Yeah. So I can go away, but my whole life, I never went away on vacation. I never right. left my animals, you know. And uh, when I was touring with them, if I had a week off or two weeks off, I found a facility. I went in, put up the exercise area and played with them all day and gave them toys to play with, big balls and all that. Right. And uh, people don't, they don't know that. Yeah. I mean, when you're making your living off of an animal, you you don't want anything to go wrong. You've got to keep it healthy, happy, and in a good
1: state of mind because you could be in serious trouble if you don't. And and there's um it's it's not an all overly lucrative job. We, yeah, it's we're it's done millionaires. for the passion and the care. It is. And um you I know your you just uh, referenced that your son and his wife and grandchildren. How does that feel to see you guys have created this absolutely beautiful place? I love to go there. And for you I was there the other day and your granddaughter and grandson were actually there. You were building a new mm-hmm. habitat area for some of the animals and they were right there. Your grandson was right in there. And how does that feel? Oh, I mean, it's, what is thank that? God. Thank yeah. goodness. I mean, I only had one son, so it was like, I hope he likes what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, he, he could have gone to college and been an attorney or whatever. He's very smart. Yes, he is. And uh I, I was like, I hope he likes this because my sister... Who is an equestrian has a beautiful riding academy yes. and teaches kids. Neither one of her sons are interested. One's a, a chef and the other one is an offshore fisherman. So, yeah, you know nobody to to follow her dream. So I am truly blessed that they yeah. love it and they'll. And it's hard, you know. You lose animals. You have yeah. You have a lot to deal with. It's not all fun and games. It's, yeah. It's it's hard work twenty four seven. Storm's coming up. He's out there in the storm watching things, you know. It's a a difficult life, but it's very rewarding. And the cool thing now is that we get thousands of people at the habitat. So it's like a double double benefit for us because we've saved all these beautiful animals and we're making thousands of people happy.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you talked about the USDA and Florida Fish and Wildlife and... I have uh, been to meetings and that type of stuff, and I've actually been to the federal government to tell our story. And one of the things I said to them, you guys will come to some of the meetings, but you're actually, by virtue of your your license, because you are the expert, you're not allowed to go get a hotel in Washington, D.C. or Tallahassee or whatever state capital. you have to stay with the animals. So you're not the one out there walking around, talking to legislators because... You will actually get fined if you're not with your animals. And and in contrast, we've got animal rights extremists and groups there in lots of money, by the way. Because they're not caring for these animals and they're there telling their story. And we hear that a lot. Well, why don't we hear this story? Well, because the experts are actually not leaving the animals to tell their story. I love that you've created a place where they can come to you. Mm -hmm. And I know the expansions of that have a lot to do with education and such, uh, you know, further where people could come for periods of time. Right. And also the smaller zoos are actually the place where a lot of the interns and people who want to work at bigger zoos learn. Because if Let's you try. want to go to a big zoo, it's kind of like a credit card. They won't give you credit because you don't have any, but you can't get any because they write. Right. So the big zoos want to hire people with knowledge. So the smaller zoos and facilities are the training grounds, For those people who then can go to the bigger zoos and have experience and make an actual career out of it, exactly. One one example of that
0: is right now there's a shortage of exotic vets. Yeah, big shortage of exotic animal vets, and uh, even large animal vets, because Mm -hmm. it's very easy to sit in an air conditioned office and do, you know, neuter or or spay all day long and make a lot of money, but to get out in the field and work with cattle or horses or and yeah. the exotics, it's tough and it's specialized. So one of the things that we're hoping to do in the future is have some uh, internship veterinarians coming out because Fantastic. we have a lot of animals that they could learn to handle and be around. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, yeah, I know that's an issue. Um, we have another friend who does some of that. But for the, for the exotic animal uh, residencies and stuff, they actually don't get, there's not a lot of opportunities. Again, the big zoos are are pretty tight about how they do that. So it's facilities like yours that have a little more autonomy. Right. Because you are the owner. You're right there. It's not a government-run zoo right. um, that's going to be, you know, over overly worried about their policies or legalities. Right. So it's a great opportunity for that and, you know, internships for, Caretakers as well. Of course, and anybody
0: that wants to be in the animal industry of any kind needs, has to have experience. You can't read it in a book. Yeah, you guys, I know, also do yoga and some other programs. Talk yeah, a little bit about well, that. well, we started all that during the pandemic because we were actually closed for three months. We did, we weren't sure whether animals could catch it, right? Because you know there was all sorts of rumors. And so we closed for three months. Well, that's a, our overhead is a half a million dollars a year, yeah. right? just for the basics. You <laughs> yeah. Know? So um, we, we were like, what are we going to do? How are we going to keep our employees? We wanted to keep our employees, that was the most important thing. Yeah. Because, you know, the animals know these people, they love them, they know right. the names of the animals, and we needed to keep our staff. And so we decided we'd have been talking about doing yoga for a long time because they do it with goats everywhere, you know. Well, it's not that interesting, you know. Yeah. Goats walk on people and poop on them,
1: (laughs) It sounds good. It sounds really good. On paper, going there is a different thing. Those little hooves sticking in your back (laughs) is not so good. I always laugh at that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so we did one goat yoga, and after that I'm like, nah, we're not doing that. So uh, we decided we do tiger yoga, which is we have the perfect facility for it because all around the natural ha- the habitats that they live in, we have walkways. Well, they put their mats on the walkways. We have a wonderful instructor. And funnily enough, the animals are really into it. They, they watch everything. They watch the people move. Some of them seem to emulate them, you know. Yeah. So that was successful. So then we decided we've got these beautiful rough lemurs. Let's do it with them. Our lemurs are wonderful. They're so sweet. Yeah. And we can take about eight people, I think, mm-hmm. at one time. They're in with the lemurs. There's four of them. And the lemurs climb, climb all over. They interact them. And with them, the inter- And they do, yeah. I swear, they do the poses. We have the, the uh, what other
1: animals do we have? We have the...
0: You did fox yoga, I think, at fox. one point where the
1: foxes were nearby right, again. Right. And, uh, yeah. and,
0: and we have uh, the wolf pack now, the young wolf pack that we have. And we also have the... The, uh, the sloth. That's, oh, not, God.
1: that's not really an encounter. It's an encounter, but it's not yoga. The sloth is. A, the, oh, yeah. You got to go on your social media, Big Cat Habitat, and see the sloth. It's just a right. Stella, <laughs> Stella is her name. And
0: she's gorgeous, <laughs> and they get to feed her and interact with her. You know, yeah. uh, well, uh, Danielle holds her. And uh, people really need to. People love animals, they really yep. feel a bond. And it's tremendously uh, profitable for us over the last two years. It's really helped us a lot because it's a separate fee than just coming to the park. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we're booked up all the time on all the encounters. And it's- just
1: so we're clear, Tiger <laughs> Yoga. The tigers are actually behind their encounter right. area. But the way you're set up, I don't know a place where you get to see the tigers as close as yours. Completely right. safe right? and all uh, within the guidelines, but... And the that I the one on the corner near the VIP section is a really large. Is that a liger or a tiglon? That's a liger. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so tall though, and Oh, he's you come up feet there and <laughs> when it, he stands up. It's unbelievable. And I've ta- I take friends there. It's the first place I think of when they're in the area and. Of course, never disappointed. And doesn't hurt that I get, you know, I know, <laughs> I know the people who read it. You know, makes me feel good. But that I always take them to that corner because if that cat is up in there, oh, it's amazing. you will never get closer in a safe way. Well, that's what I wanted to, to, see to do. That cat, when when I started
0: laying out the facility... I basically had a guy that was working with me, a construction guy, and I would take a stick and draw it on the in the sand. I want this over here, and that's how we designed it. But I, all of it was about the people being close to the animals, where they could actually see them. You know, yeah. That's why we do the animal feeding during the tours too, because when the animal when we're open, the animals are excited that we're going to be open. They know the yeah. day of the week, and they uh, wait. They're yeah. like, hey, it's, we're open today. And you can feed a tiger on a stick. You can feed a bear. That keeps the animals interested in the public. And, and they enjoy the treats. It's great to get a treat. And it makes them active and more interesting for the people. A lot of zoos, unfortunately, won't only have one or two tigers or one or two lions. Yeah. And most days they're laying in the corner sleeping because they've been fed. Right. We feed at 4.30 right after we close. So then they sleep the rest of the day. If you feed in the morning, you're going right. to see. Matter of fact, we did originally do that. And people would say, are you drugging them? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, we're feeding them.
1: <laughs> yeah. But you know your house cat that sleeps 20 hours a That's day? That's well,
0: <laughs> the Same thing. So we feed them after. We, we feed all the primates early because they're always lively and up. Yeah. And the bears get fed because they're, they're lazy anyway. Yeah. But the cats, four o'clock, 4.30, yeah. so that they're up for the
1: public. You know, Kay, I say this, um, and you and I, um, you're a good friend, and we talk about this, but we want people to know, you know, we talk about our critics, but we want people to know that if you care about animals, we're that's where we're all in line. We're all in agreement that we want the best for animals and that we care about animals. From there, what starts to uh, separate that is if you're using a philosophy or ideology or if you're buying into something you've heard, right? So for those of you listening, if you care about animals, we're all on that same page. And then I say this, that for those of you, some of you just don't believe that these animals should be in a habitat, right? Well, then you want permission to enjoy the animals. Not only should you enjoy the animals, it's actually what's going to keep the animals alive. It's what's going to make our grandchildren have the ability to see these to animals still see one. yeah, we've got so many uh, facilities, including large zoos that are that are buying into what I call the vocal minority because I don't think this is what the average people want, but it's the loud, small minority, but the voice that says we don't want shows anymore and we don't want to see these animals in a zoo or we don't want to see that. If we take that all away, the experts all agree we will not have animals. We can't perpetuate the species. We can't study them. And more importantly, you, the, the public cannot see them and learn to care about them. Right. That's right. So we all care about animals. It's where we go from there that separates us. So what I hope we're getting across on this podcast is, that I know people who want to go to a place and see animals, but they feel like they're doing something that's wrong. You, I We got to give people permission to say, this is not wrong. This is 1000% right. And your children need to grow up knowing the world is not all about them and understanding these animals and even junior caretaker uh, camps and stuff at these facilities that are so important. I know it's, it's like, Used to be farms everywhere, you know.
0: People yeah. saw cattle, they saw people working the land. They don't see that anymore. They they're losing connection with nature. It's really sad. Even some people don't want you to ride a horse anymore.
1: No, oh, I know. There's a whole
0: campaign: don't ride. It hurts them. Don't ride yeah. them. How would we have gotten out west? Yeah. How would the world have functioned without horses and camels? Yeah. These are beasts of burden. They, that's their, that's their place in our in our world. Is yeah. that, that's what they are. And uh, a world without any of them would be horrible, Yeah. You know? And I I just think, again, it's the same thing. It's don't be an extreme anything. Use your common sense. I know it's not common anymore.
1: <laughs> common sense is not so common. common.
0: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if you see an animal and it looks healthy and it's it looks uh, in good flesh, it, yeah. it is. It's getting proper care. You know, my sister has a problem. She has about 50 horses on about 40 acres. And, of course, they lay down soon as they see a horse laying down, they oh, yeah. call the animal control. There's a, a dead horse in the field. Right. No, it's, it's sleeping. Basking in the sun right. or just relaxing. And the yeah. camels are rolling in the mud because they like it. They yeah. want to be in the mud. It cools them. You know, it's just there's real things out there that people need to know and they just don't. You know, and, and farmers are getting lambasted just oh, as badly as we are. Farmers know their names of many of their cattle, especially dairy farmers. They know the family of that cow, where where she was born from. And it's not simple. It's complicated. Right. And, you know, the poor farmers, they're, they're we need them. We don't need big corporations. We need farm
1: families. You know? Right. And for those who aren't extremists, who don't hold this philosophy or ideology, but are just listening to the noise, you you just pointed that out. You can recognize... A well animal, totally. So you people want to like, oh, that does animal doesn't look good. First of all, they have no experience or knowledge to say that. But even a pet dog, you can recognize an animal that is not kept well. That's it's right. It's either not healthy or it cowers or does something. So go. Let's go back to using our common sense and saying, I don't care what people are telling you, go look and see firsthand and make up your own mind or at least balance the information you have. But we all have the ability, we don't have to be experts to look at an animal and say, actually, it looks fine, it looks healthy. That's right. And we've stopped doing that, and I want people, I'm encouraging people to do that again. Right, And, and
0: I know you were saying that millions of people don't go because they think it's the wrong thing to do. Our attendance doesn't tell us that. We get right. so many people I and mean, they leave smiling. And if I'm lucky enough, before COVID, I used to go was go out the front when people were leaving. I got so many hugs from people yeah, and tears. And I I never thought I'd see a, a tiger so close. And thank you for what, you know, and just so hugging me, strangers, you know, for, for having the place. Of course, I unfortunately can't do it anymore because of this situation. But... People do love animals and the occasion, we had a woman come in one day and I could tell right away she was an animal extremist, four people came. And the first thing she said was, why are you feeding the bears? Because we feed them on a stick. We yeah. eat marshmallows, strawberries, or sometimes we give them chicken hot dogs because they eat, predators eat meat. You know? Yeah, yeah, sure. And I, I was like, well, it's just the treat. It's not their actual diet, it's just a treat. Well, they shouldn't be eating hot dogs. I, was, I said, well, they're chicken hot dogs. And number two, if you go out in the wild where there's a big city dump, you'll see bears there not only eating the the hot dog, but they're eating the package. Yeah. So this isn't bad. This is good. You yeah. Know? And to have a marshmallow, that's great for a bear. They love an occasional marshmallow or a strawberry, you know.
1: And we never do anything to hurt animals. That, they're, right. They're our way of life. Well, the irony in that what you just said is you're standing there giving your time and attention to somebody who's not even. Re- close to being an expert nothing just has made up her her mind from one of the groups exactly
0: and actually she went and sat in the car and ran the car all day to be air conditioned and her husband and their other two friends enjoyed the
1: oh you did tell me (laughs) about that yeah she was like like, she's sitting out there running she's she's uh, (laughs) she's gonna be green (laughs) right woman yeah running
0: the car to keep the air on while (laughs) she sits pouting in the car and the man the husband he, he was very nice and i said what's up with with your wife why is she's so angry and he said oh i don't know if she's angry about everything mm-hmm. you know and, and then there are people like that if something doesn't fit their idea or it's not something they like they not only they don't want to do it themselves they don't want anybody right to do it. that's
1: the thing they're, they're not open-minded themselves no. but we're trying to change the fabric of our country and again why i'm doing this podcast it's it can be subtle and it's outright but laws and regulations and bans and Frankly, if a lot of people had these way, you you wouldn't be able to have your, your facility. No, and, and
0: that's what they're trying to do. They're shutting yeah. down. A lot of people that that I knew that were very good animal people have just got so tired of all these silly regulations yeah. and ridiculous rules that they've just quit. And, right. and by quitting, they've stopped breeding very endangered animals. And that's the worst part of it. It's, it. it's enhanced
1: extinction when they go after animal people. So you made a great point. You said Cause I said, they're telling you not to go to zoos and you said they are coming. And so they kind of maybe don't want to tell people, but it, you were hearing from the vocal minority. So don't listen to all that noise. Make up your own mind. Go see. Go see. We've said that for, for decades now, go see for yourself. And if you, if you do have a problem with it, talk to somebody at the facility or the place. But bans and outright laws and stuff to, to do away with this is only taking animals out of our lives. It is, and it's forever, not, yeah. forever.
0: You don't see, I mean, go to a circus now. There's not even a dog act. And yeah. dogs love to perform. They just yeah. they think. It's but a yet, huge agility dogs are huge. Yeah, huge thing. Same Bigger training, than ever. operant yeah.
1: conditioning, same training. Yeah, same scenario. It's the venue, and, and that's and, a huge thing. And it, I mean, we're again, we're regulated by the federal government. I always laugh, kind of not laugh, but irony that we're regulated by the federal government and prescribed. As experts and have a license, yet at the same time the federal government turns around and tries to create a ban. Not that where any of us would be surprised about that, but isn't that a uh, <coughs> isn't that a yeah, uh, yeah. what's the word hypocritical? Where, yeah, hypocrite. Very yeah, conflict same, of interest. Same
0: way with horses. I mean, yeah. Circus horses get the very best of care. They get the best
1: food, the best Absolutely. Everything. they live
0: forever. My dad's horses lived in their late twenties.
1: My only, sister has only a forty-two-year-old right now. He
0: only had two horses his whole career. Yeah. They did they traveled all over the world, yep. did all the shows. Derek Rosaire and, and Tony, Tony the, the Wonder. That's Horse. right. Ed Sullivan show four times. Yeah.
1: Spectacular. Great Won
0: the Gershwin Award in Las Vegas for Entertainer of the Year it was a phenomenal it was uh, great a funny comedy act with a guy and a horse and that horse took us my family all over the world that's on the back of that horse we traveled all over the world right and people all over the world saw that and people to this day i have people come up and say i remember seeing your dad i remember seeing your dad on yeah. i mean older people of course and uh, you know, that's going away. Yeah. It's go- Roy-, Roy Rogers and Trigger. People don't want any of that now. Yeah. They don't want any kind well, of Well, they do in their own worlds.
1: Yeah. But they just don't want it in like in entertainment or something like that. Right. But yet I I train for people outside of show business and they want me to do the same things, but yet they're yes, they're gonna okay. be vocal. Kay, I wanna I wanna wrap this up on a high note. So I'd like you to just articulate once again what it means to have this facility and the fact that your your son, his wife and your grandchildren are there and you're I know you live right on the property. Oh, and I do. uh so that you know, what it means to you to be able to do this and how, oh, how it, viewers it, get inside of that our listeners. It,
0: it's really heartwarming when I mean it's it has its tough days, like I said. Some yeah. of our animals get old and you know, we have to make tough decisions because we won't sure. let any animal suffer. And but every day when I go out there, and we have people coming in, and the kids' are, eyes light up when they go to the petting zoo and they see the animals and they get to pick up a pet a goat and you know hold a goat. And yeah. The the happiness that they see and the people when they see the animals up close and see how gorgeous they are and they're never going to see that anywhere. This yeah. amount of animals close up. And uh, it's just heartwarming. I just I get teary eyed myself thinking about it sometimes. Yeah.
1: How lucky, how lucky I've been. Yeah. To be. And able now to. it's it's keeping going because your grandchildren yeah. have that it's passion. Like,
0: it's magical, and all the kids, my my grandchildren's friends that have grown up around them are all am- having yeah. crazy too. You know. Then, you know, one cool thing that that I've been able to do that I'm really really proud of because other bigger places don't do it. We're free to veterans every day of the year. Oh, fantastic. And active military. All Love they have that. to have is their ID and they come in any day that we're open for free. That's and great. Very few places do that and we do it with glee. Because oh, yes. They're so happy when they come. And I do that because I was born in England and I remember the GIs as I was a kid growing up, they were still in England cleaning up the mess. Yeah and uh after the war and uh ever grateful to our veterans
1: right well fantastic kay thank you for being on i'm really excited about this and i'm sure we're going to talk again one day on this podcast hopefully
0: and i i want to remind everybody always have animals on your mind and always in your heart keep yeah. them in your heart they they're really a, we need animals and they certainly need us now more than ever
1: yeah well said thank you thank you I will say what I always say, go see for yourself. If you're anywhere near the big cat habitat in Sarasota, Florida, of course, stop by. Otherwise, go visit your favorite zoo. Stop by a zoo as you're taking a road trip somewhere. I want to give you permission to know that visiting animals is a great thing. Of course, use your common sense and good judgment about what you're seeing. Talk to the owners and caretakers who are completely accessible. Make an effort not to anthropomorphize, which is adding human values, traits, and emotions to animals. Be immersed in the beauty and the splendor of these animals. It's the best thing you can do if you truly care about animals and want to have them around for a very long time. Allow future generations of your family to enjoy them as well. I'm Heidi Harriet. I certainly hope you enjoyed this episode of Animal Tales. It's really important to me to provide this information, provide the other side of the story about these amazing people and their animals. I'd certainly love your feedback. You can email me, animaltalespodcast at gmail.com. Also, please subscribe, rate and review us, and please share this with others. I hope you'll join me next time for Animal Tales.